This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Coming up on today's show, PAX West happened. We got a good look at Super Mario Brothers Wonder. And that's right, it's Starfield time, part two. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and you know the funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by the lovely Mrs. Rihanna Manuel-Pena. I have complete control of my bowels today. It's a great day. I love to hear that, except there's some juice on the floor, which we'll get to in a little bit. Brittany Brombacher <laughs> is also here. Hi. Yeah. Wow. Poop juice. Let's go. I love poop juice. We didn't call it poop juice. We just called it juice. And uh, oh. ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show, freelance writer and producer and Bethesda Game Studios expert joining us to talk about games that are made by Bethesda Game Studios. <laughs> it's Emily Rose. Hello. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> 10 out of 10. That's my review. Yes. I love that for us. I think I'm going to just veto the poop conversation and yeah. we're going to move right into the yeah. show. But before we get to that, of course, I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Fair Satia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community, Guillermo, the Cannabis Tutor. I would love to hear the story behind that name. And Waddle. Thank you so much to everybody for joining us at patreon.com slash what's good games, where you can get the show ad-free, among other wonderful perks. Speaking of ads, this week's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN and Factor, but I'll tell you more about them later because we have some new podcast reviewers. In fact, we had a nice little influx of reviewers come in. So thank you to everyone. Brittany, before you read all these names, I would like to just give a quick shout out and thank you to John Anonymous, who I mentioned in last week's episode, who went out and clearly heard my plea for discourse instead of actions that have consequences and changed his review and gave us a five-star review. And I appreciate you, John, for taking the time to go in and revise. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you're great. So is Notch Gink, Hey Frito 500, Erica Costello 54, and Tan. Lovely reviews. So kind. So lovely. The warm and fuzzies. Makes me want to hug everything and everyone in glee and happiness and rainbows. Also, I had a shot of whiskey. I'm going to be very, very honest. And I am a lightweight these days. So that one shot is like coursing through my veins. So You say you're a lightweight. I like am we now. don't drink whiskey every week. I have maybe like a shot a week, Andrea, anymore. Because if I have anything to drink, it makes me sleepy and tired. But Welcome right now, to being an adult. Yeah. Um, yeah, but right now the problem is I've had some caffeine and now I've had some alcohol. So it's playing nice. But if it wasn't for the caffeine, I'd be on my ass. So what you're saying is that you're ready to party. For about 32 minutes, and then I'm probably going to get really sleepy. <laughs> oh. Okay, great. So everyone set your timers. Let's see how long we can <laughs> we can make it. All right, so normally this is where we would jump right into the news of the week. But because we recorded a special episode last week for the Starfield embargo, and we're recording a bit earlier this week because I have some personal stuff that I have going on later this week and I'm not going to be able to record. We don't really have like a ton of news. 
PAX West did happen though, Brittany, and you were there. I did go. Yeah, it was it was really fun. I was only there for one day. I was there on Friday, and it was a really slow day, and it was really nice actually. So I don't know how I missed this. I really don't know, but honesty is the best policy. So apparently Seattle has a brand new uh, convention center, and that went right over my head. And so there are two buildings essentially where PAX takes place. One is the building that we've all come to know and love, and also which was sharing that building this year was the Nintendo Live event. And then at the new convention center is all the other PAX shenanigans that went down. Thankfully, by the luck of all of the gods, I happened to book all of my appointments in the old convention center. So my oblivious ass just like waddled up to the old convention center and all of my appointments thankfully were right there. Otherwise, I would never have made any of them. So that was really interesting. So it was a lot smaller, very quiet, all things considered. But I was able to see some friends. I checked out stuff at Square Enix. I checked stuff out at Sega. I saw my friends at Xseed. And then I got to check out Lords of the Fallen. So I had a really good time. And then Saturday, Jason, the kiddo, and I went up to back up to Seattle and we did the Nintendo Live event. And it was really cool. Lots of fun photo ops. Jace had a really good time. Super Mario Wonder was there. And yeah, like there, there was an orchestra. There was a Zelda concert. There was a Mario concert. There was tournaments. Just really, really fun stuff. We'd like to spend more time there next year, assuming they come back. I hope they do. I definitely had FOMO seeing everybody's pictures from Nintendo Live because I, like you, am a big Nintendo fan. but wasn't able to make it up to Seattle this year. Is the new convention center venue far from the old one? Are they not like right next to each other? I think it's just a few blocks, but- oh, um, So it is like a, like a, at least a five minute walk. I feel like it. I never even made it there, believe it or not. I never even made it there. But from what people told me, they're like, yeah, it's down the street and then you turn this way. So I'm assuming it is. Too far. Too far. It's too far. It was too When far. you say it's down the street, if it's not at the corner, it's in my mind, I'm like, too yeah, bad. that's why I would have been screwed <laughs> if my appointments had been there. Like I, I but I, it all worked out, thankfully. Well, yeah. great. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. We're going to talk about some of the games that you played in hands on a little bit later on in the show. But there was, I guess, like some news that came out of PAX. Not a lot. We did get this deep dive look at Super Mario Brothers Wonder <laughs> last week. And some of that takes on the gameplay that Nintendo showed is quite funny to me. Ladies, did you see it? Rihanna, are you uh, interested in what's happening in Super Mario Brothers Wonder? I did see it. I think it's hilarious that it's like we were saying slightly before we started recording the show, very trippy. Like you, you uh, eat a special flower and then things get a little wacky. <laughs> so, very fun allegory there. But I'm interested in it. I don't know if I'll play a lot of it. I don't typically do the, the Mario games storylines or anything like that just because it's not, not my jam. But I'll check it out. We'll, we'll see. I'll try it. Emily, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to see the whole presentation, but just from the clips I've seen, I'm like, wow, this is a direction. Um, but, <laughs> but it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, what else? I mean, I feel like Mario's been around for so long. You're in 2D. What else can you do but go up and wacky? So for me, I, I'm kind of in the similar boat. I don't think I'm personally going to own it because I know a lot of my friends will. So I'm like, okay, I will go over to your place and we will play this game. And that's kind of it. I'm excited for Super Mario RPG, which is coming up. Oh, Oh, yeah, down the line because I've, I've never played it. And so like that to me is much more my Mario jam than these kind of 2D side scrollers, like party ones. 
Yeah, I'm actually really stoked for these games. They're the perfect chill out, have a glass of your favorite beverage, and just mindlessly play them. Typically, they're not too difficult. And I did get to play one level at Nintendo Live, and I played with Jason and my two-and-a-half-year-old, and that was as clusterfucky as you would expect, but it was very cute and it was very fun. And I honestly couldn't tell you anything right now that would make it seem different than any other 2D Mario you've played as of late. I did get to turn into an elephant, and he felt kind of heavy. And then I spent the rest of my time making sure my son wasn't running to the left, but to the right. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. That nice. that was my experience with this. But actually, like the reason I think I'm most excited for this game is for my dad to play it because he still loves Mario so 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 much, and it's one of the only games he can play because it's typically pretty simple and it follows the same control scheme over the years. So I know I'll go over there and we'll play it together. So it's just kind of one of those games that by myself I don't think I would play it, but with others I'm I'm stoked too. Yeah, I think. There's just something about it that I want to hit my nostalgia triggers, but it just doesn't. And I think some of the newer Super Mario Brothers 2D games just feel a little too slippery for me. Uh-huh. Um, like how they're, when you run across platforms, like you, it's almost like you're constantly running on ice a little bit, even if you're not in an ice world. And the mechanics have been that way for a little while now. And not that it makes it bad. I, I think I just have gotten too used to more of like a Super Meat Boy style that a lot of people have done that we've seen in a whole variety of games. You know, Celeste being one of my favorite ones where I just like you feel more weighted to the mm-hmm. ground and then you use that slidiness going up and traversing up through the level versus going horizontally through the level, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100%. I get it. Something about it just makes me makes me frustrated. One thing that <laughs> I, like I do like seeing around sort of like the asymmetrical like multiplayer connection that you have with other folks, even if they're not on your friends list or in your co-op room, where if you're playing, you see ghosts of other people playing the same level and you can choose to interact or save each other. Like if you get knocked out, they can revive you. You can do races and challenges with the ghosts of other players. It reminded me a lot of the drivatars <laughs> that we've seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, where it's like a way to interact with other people, even if you're not directly connected to them, which I think is a nice bridge to multiplayer for folks who are maybe not quite ready to <laughs> talk to strangers on the internet or <laughs> play against them. So I appreciate these sort of ventures out into like massive multiplayer. But again, I want to wait and see how that actually works in practice and how easy it is to find other people. And if you're dead, do they actually revive your little ghost or do they say, fuck you later? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to Probably not that judge that player game, behavior after it's guess. out. But yeah, but it, it definitely cool looks see. beautiful. And I think that the magic and the allure of these games is the ability to play with people of all ages. And you kind of just assume that the wackiness is there for the comedy of it all and the whimsy of it all. And I love that there's so many different playable characters and love there's Daisy definitely a lot game. to explore. Yes, Thank finally, you. right? It's been a while. It's been a minute. <laughs> So yeah, so that was probably some of the biggest news that we've gotten in the last week. And obviously we're recording the show a little bit earlier on in the week. So if something else happens, you know, we'll try to cover it next week. I do want to mention there was a kind of big piece of news that happened last week that we didn't get the opportunity to cover because of Starfield stuff. And it has to do with Embracer Group shuttering a pretty well-known video game studio called Volition, probably most well-known for the Saints Row series. And they also had layoffs at Gearbox Publishing, both of which were underneath Embracer Group. 
And it's just really sad to see more jobs in video games going away. 2023 has been a really tough year for the tech and gaming industry. We had so many layoffs in the beginning part of the year. I think a lot of us maybe were feeling a little like, okay, it's done. Like no more people are going to lose their jobs. And now this big thing happened and, and lots of people lost their jobs. And who knows with the economic uncertainty that feels like it just is perpetual now. <laughs> I was like, so do we just live in a constant state of economic uncertainty? Is that is that just our new normal? Who knows mm -hmm. what's going to happen? But our hearts go out to all these people. It's always really sad when you see a studio that literally celebrated its 30th anniversary like two months yeah. ago get shuttered. It's a huge bummer. It's just really shitty. The whole thing is fucking shitty and it makes me feel bad. And obviously, first and foremost, I hope everyone who's affected lands on their feet, finds something that makes them happy and finds their footing. Just a big fuck you to Embracer Group, though, for announcing this when they did during the embargo of Starfield. Yep. Gross, nasty, icky. Like, we see what that is and we know what that is and some people thought well you know it was a, they released a bad game blah 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 like they just decided to shut it down these decisions aren't made on a whim this was planned and this was timed purposefully when it went out so it whatever that's it I mean, somebody in my feed also responded being like, oh, you, you don't know that they timed it this way. What is this? is just when the news happened. I go, so <laughs> yeah. that's just you showing your ignorance because clearly they didn't just decide to let go of hundreds of people who are underneath their payroll. <laughs> yeah. And the Starfield embargo was made public two weeks ago. So they knew exactly when they could bury it. And this is the first time this has happened. This has happened many times. I still remember when Viacom buried the news about shuttering GTTV and Spike and a bunch of other brands and game trailers during the press conference day of E3, like the Monday of E3. They're just like, we're just going to, you know, tell all these people who are actively working on E3 that they're all losing their jobs. Mm. <laughs> that happened 10 years ago. It's wild. Yeah. So this is not a new tactic. It's a shitty tactic. It's a yeah. bad one. And yeah. it should feel bad. They're bad people. <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah. And just knowing the state where Embracer Group is in, I'm terrified that this is not the last we're going to see. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. Of these. There'll, be a, there'll be more. And it's just it's just heartbreaking where it's like sometimes acquisitions can be good. And but now right now we are seeing quite possibly just like the worst possible outcome when it comes to the acquisition of studios. Yeah, it's tough because I think we look at the overall conversation about what's happening with mergers and acquisitions in the video game industry. And we can absolutely point to examples of where it's been really positive and really beneficial. I think about what someone like Tim Schafer has said about the acquisition of Double Fine and how that's been incredibly great for their studio to be able to have the creative bandwidth to make games that they're excited about making without the constant stress of having to fundraise all the time to keep their studio going and to make sure that their staff has jobs. That's, I think, a great example of a positive acquisition. But there is a larger conversation that's happening about what are the negative consequences when there's too many mergers and acquisitions happening and there's too much consolidation, particularly as fast as Embracer Group made their acquisitions over the last three years. I mean, we commented on it several times, right, with THQ Nordic about how many brands they were acquiring at the pace that they were. And then Embracer Group came in and said, we're just going to take all of you and then some, and then we're going to take a couple more brands on top of that. And it just became this almost comical set of IP and brands all under one giant umbrella 
really is starting to look more like a house of cards than anything. And that is terrifying, I'm sure, to people who are underneath that umbrella or inside that house of cards going, is my studio next? You know, what's going to happen to me in my career and the creative work that my team is doing? Those are all really serious conversations. And I hope that those creators can find some solace in the work that they're doing and that Embracer Group takes a good hard look at how they can save the brands that they went out of their way to spend money to acquire. We don't know what's going to happen. It's like, you know, maybe think about these are people. These are livelihoods with people with families and and lives that they want to live. They're not just little pawns to be acquired and hopefully making money that you can just toss to the side when maybe a big old deal doesn't go through. There's definitely a conversation to be had about the strategy behind acquiring assets underneath your label and then hoping that you're going to be able to pay those off off of a deal that you don't have done. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's maybe not the best way to do business, but it's not like it's the only way that the business is done and has been done in the past. It's just about like, is it going to be successful or not? So anyway, anyway, we'll pin that convo for another time, but definitely want to put our positive energy out to all the people, you know, that lost their positions and are going to have to be looking for work now. And hopefully they'll be able to find some stuff that hashtag game jobs does have a lot of good resources on it, both on Twitter and Instagram and There's a lot of great job boards out there. So if you know somebody that was affected, hopefully you can point them in the right direction to looking at some of those resources. Brittany, Uh. I would like to pivot here and talk about something that I feel like you know more about than probably anybody else on this panel. And that's Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, a PC version of PlayStation 5 exclusive. Final Fantasy 16 is in development. Producer Naoki Yoshida has announced, along with two installments of paid story DLC for the Square Enix role-playing game. Hell yeah. I love this. Obviously, more Final Fantasy 16 is always a win in my book. And plus, I just feel like there's some redemption that needs to be happening when it comes to Final Fantasy DLC, considering what happened with Final Fantasy 15. So I'm just kind of excited to see what lessons they've learned and what they apply to Final Fantasy 16. And listen, there's so many attractive people in that game. It's quite literally unfair. And there's just no way I can be mad about this news. So, Emily, what do you think? I saw you cheering. Yes. More Final more Final Fantasy uh, 16. Wee! I'm so, so excited. I, that's, once again, it's a game I need to... Too many, too many video games. I'm that cat meme. I'm like, too, too many video games. I need to go back and finish it. I got pretty far. I've loved it. I've It made me re-fall in love with Final Fantasy. So I'm super stoked when they were like, DLC. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because for a while, I think the, the plan was no DLC. Yeah. And then the team had said, you know, if it's something the fans want, we'll consider it. And now all of a sudden, thing that exists. So funny how that works. Either way, I'm just happy. That's great. Wonderful. Do it. And it's not just DLC. It's the PC version as well. So the word on the street was that they dropped hints about a PC version actually quite a while ago, a couple of years back, saying that they were developing for both, but then never confirmed a PC version until now. And I think it's pretty on par with what PlayStation has been doing with a lot of their titles. Obviously, this is not a first-party title for PlayStation, but PlayStation has long had a partnership with Square, with Final Fantasy in particular. Given the incredible popularity of Final Fantasy XIV, <laughs> makes sense that this is coming to PC. Yeah. Now all we need is our Final Fantasy IX remake announcement, ladies, and we're set. <laughs> Still waiting. It's coming. Still waiting. <laughs> it's coming. I just don't know when. I'm hoping before the end of the year, but it's happening. I'll bet anything on that shit. 
Hey, you know what? The Game Awards is still on the horizon. Oh, I, mm, yep, I'm feeling that. I Can bet. Can you mm. fucking imagine? I feel so, you thought that diarrhea airplane, I'm not going to make fun of the airplane. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. That's not right. I retract that. <laughs> that was wrong. Brittany. <laughs> Brittany, I know that it's a running gag that you make jokes about you know, exploding orifices when you get really great news at these gaming shows. But I implore you to not actually make that a reality if this happens as the person who's typically sitting next to you. Honey, <laughs> see, the love we have is unconditional, though, so I could get away with it. I don't have I would to worry about the it. the baby wipes out of my purse and clean up after you because I love you that much. But I would prefer not to, is all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? I just got my official invitation to lose all of my bodily fluids in front of I, me, that's, Andrea. That's definitely not how that conversation just went absolutely it did okay moving on i got my permission (laughs) let's go oh oh my goodness i wish i had something else to move on to that could be a really great like segue but unfortunately there's just not that much news right now so when we come back we are going to talk about what we've been playing including some of the cool things that brit saw at pax and of course y'all know we got to talk more starfield stick with us we'll be right back Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events that we have been to. But before we get to that, I want to let you know this episode is brought to you by these wonderful sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Factor. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for your jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Enjoy some fall flavors without even Googling what vegetables are in season right now. With Factor, you can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals ready to eat in two minutes. Maybe you're like most of us out there, just too dang busy running around during the day to think about lunch. Keep your energy up with Lunch To Go, effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go and no microwave required. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. I'm getting hungry just reading this. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep and no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash what's good 50 and use code what's good 50 to get 50% off. That's code what's good 50 at factormeals.com slash what's good 50 to get 50% off. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by ExpressVPN. You've probably heard by now that you should be using a VPN when you connect to the internet. But if you're like me, adding an extra step to anything you do every day, come on, just sounds like a hassle. Sometimes just brushing your teeth twice a day feels difficult, am I right? But if you guys knew how easy it is to protect your connection with ExpressVPN, you'd probably be doing it already. ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and it's just plain better. ExpressVPN gets rid of all of the things you hate about VPNs. It's a VPN done right. First of all, it's blazing fast. Lots of other VPNs slow your connection to the point where it's not even worth it to connect. But ExpressVPN doesn't lag or buffer. You can stream in HD with no issues. And using it couldn't be easier. Just open the ExpressVPN app, click the button, and enjoy instant protection across all of your devices. The fact is, once you connect to ExpressVPN, you don't even realize that you have it on. But your connection is secure, your data is encrypted, and you can spoof your location so you can have access to content available outside your region. Super cool, right? No wonder it's been called the best VPN by CNET. Right now, you can go to expressvpn.com slash whatsgoodgames and get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash what's good games to get three extra months of ExpressVPN. That's expressvpn.com slash what's good games. Brittany, I thought it would be great for us to kick off our hands-on segment talking about what you got to play at PAX West. So yes. this is a big event that happens every year in Seattle. We talked about it just minutes ago. <laughs> and you got to play some of your faves. I did. Okay, so you talked about PAX. Now, the Harvest Moon thing I'm going to talk about was not a PAX thing. It was a preview event oh. that was about yeah, Oh, but that's okay. Exciting. We can start with that. So, yeah, I got to see Harvest Moon, the Trees of Anthos. Now, Emily, I know you're a Harvest Moon girl too or Story of Seasons if you will okay great so I had a chance to see about 45 minutes of this game and this is Natsumi's next farming game and it is coming out on September 26th for pretty much every console you can think of so now I haven't been impressed with a Harvest Moon game since probably 2007 I think that's when Tree of Tranquility came out so it's been a hot minute but because I've always loved this franchise I always kind of keep an eye on it just see, see what's going on with it so I watched the trailer for this one and I have to admit I wasn't expecting much but then I saw it and I was like oh man this actually looks really good are they finally learning like what makes a good harvest moon game the colors are bright and vibrant and it's not top down but third person the trailer shows some festivals the character models and the art have this really fun kind of realistic anime look and the animations are super expressive so I reached out to my contacts and I was like can I see this game and they're like yes you may so I'm gonna rudely interrupt no go ahead I like it and say before you go into this specific thing that you saw yeah I, as somebody who is not a Harvest Moon person, would love to know what makes a good Harvest Moon game or what is it about Harvest Moon Ooh. as a franchise that <laughs> you're like, this is what I love about it. Also, like, maybe for people who are like, what the heck is Harvest oh, Moon? Oh, well, how much time do we have? Okay, so in the TLDR try, version. Try to keep it to, like, sub five Emily minutes. Emily laughs. She knows. Okay, five minutes. Huh? <laughs> okay, to me, a Harvest Moon is all about the life sim 
aspect of it. I want very engaging townsfolk that grow and evolve as the years grow and evolve. I want to see progression and change within the people and the town itself. I want to see fun Innovative festivals, multiple festivals a month, that's what I would like to see, where you can grow your relationships with these town folk and you can see different sides of them. I want engaging dialogue. I want lots of fun animals. I want the whole thing to be tied together in a nice, neat little package where it all feels like one cohesive experience. I want to see some really great relationship building and character building. I want to see the ability to grow different kinds of crops and seasons that really matter. And I like the strategy of a game like this. And I like the idea that every season the landscape changes and evolves. And there's new things that you can salvage and you save up for cooking and the seasons to come. And there is that strategy aspect of it. And I want to see lots of character events. So to me, like that's what I love in a Harvest Moon game. And I want it to be some Somewhat challenging because I want to work for those new progressions. Maybe it's a bigger barn or a bigger house or a relationship. And I want to see like rival events. Like that's what I want. Now, Emily, that was under five minutes. So I'd love to hear like what you love in a farm sim. No, you nailed it around the head. I oh, guess thanks. my question to you is like, what is your favorite Harvest Moon game? Probably Harvest Moon 64 or the Harvest Moon that went out on PlayStation, which I think was called Back to Nature. Because what I loved about that is the game went on for many, many years and there were every character. And I'm granted, like I have to prep this was I was a little kid and so I always thought it was very fascinating to live in kind of in a, in a realistic futuristic not futuristic a realistic world as an adult to me that was always like oddly appealing and I regret that so much because who the fuck wants to like grow up like, I had what? to do chores I had to do chores <laughs> really? I was like this is so cool I had got to buy my, my friend's birthday presents like what the fuck it was weird it was just a weird thing anyway so I would say like that was probably my favorite because that was one of the first times where you had different animals and different products and you could make wool and you could do all that kind of stuff so those are probably my faves. And in the past, these games recently, anyway, in my in my opinion, have just looked kind of empty, kind of lacking soul or spirit. It was looked more of like a cash grab to slap the title Harvest Moon on something, put it out as a game, and people would buy it, where I feel like the real games have been the story of seasons. And obviously, there's all that licensing shenanigans, but we don't have to go into it. So anyway, so I got to see a presentation over Discord for this game. And the team at the very beginning made a point to say that this is the Harvest Moon that they're the most proud of. And I thought that was very interesting. And I asked them why. And this was their main takeaways. Number one is a lot of time and effort went into optimizing this game. So it feels full of life, immersive, and visually appealing while making it a fun experience, which sounds very PR, like, of course, PC speak. But like, this really is a really important factor that I feel like they haven't nailed recently. The other thing is this is a true open world Harvest Moon game, which is exciting in itself. And what I saw from the trailer, it doesn't look like it's just a whole bunch of emptiness, at least it's full enough for a game like this. There is a story here, but fundamentally, it's Harvest Moon, you know, grow crops, find that special someone. There is a lot of freedom. You can visit any of the five villages you want in any order, and there's virtually no load times. And these villages have, they're in a state of disarray when you first find them. And then as you progress and you ship more items and you help build the economy, they will grow and shape into something a little bit more clean and modern is my understanding of it. And you can pick up and move your homestead to any part of the world that you want to. And that's really interesting too. And you can grow crops and you can mutate crops. You can have frozen tomatoes and that might have different effects or cooking impacts or whatnot. So it's funny because these games, it's kind of like a new 
skin, same mechanics, but I'm personally okay with that. There's five bachelor and bachelorettes. You can romance anyone you want, regardless of gender. And it has all your staples like fishing and mining and cooking. You can befriend animals and adopt them if you want, or maybe they'll just bring you presents. It's running also in 60 frames per second everywhere but Switch. And there are plans to support it in the future with DLC or a balance patch if it is necessary. So, I mean, it just... It just looks good. It just looks really good. And I just feel really buoyed by what I saw. And I hope that this series can come back. And of course, it has lived on in Story of Seasons. But now the Harvest Moon brand has kind of like, but now I'm hoping this will be this will be the return to glory. So yes, because you sent me that trailer a while ago. And I was like, ah, is this just another Harvest Moon game? But man, have you just sold me on this new Harvest Moon. And so I will definitely be picking it up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it it looks really good. I'm I'm very, very excited by it. So props to the team. It sounds like they've been taking the feedback and they're making something a little bit more interactive is kind of the best way I can put it. So that was Harvest Moon, The Winds of Anthos. Again, that comes out September 26th and it looks great. All right, Andrea, do you got another trailer lined up? Let me know and I will. Girl, yes, I do. Which one? I sure do. (laughs) Let's go. Let's fucking knock this shit out of the park. Okay, here we go. The one that I think you're probably the most excited to like talk about. Like a dragon gate in the man who raised his name. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, so this is coming out November 29th. <laughs> and I got to play this game for 30 minutes at PAX. And so this game takes place between Yakuza 6 and Yakuza Like a Dragon. Obviously, there's a lot that happened to Kiryu and Yakuza 6. And this kind of bridges the gap between those two games. So we know we're going back to Osaka and Yokohama. But this time there's a new location. And that is called the Castle. And this is a big hub area where you can kind of partake in some of the most fun mini games that this series is known for. And so my 30 minutes was just spent in the castle and it had the following activities. It had a gambling den and a casino. I didn't spend a lot of time in those locations. I typically don't when I play these games, but I did see a lot of half-naked people in the gambling den. So of course I checked it out and looked at them for a while. So that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I made a stop. Of course. Um, There's also a boutique. This is a really fun selling point. So this is where you can dress Kiru in essentially anything you want. So you can dress him for his casual out and about shenanigans and you can dress him for a big fighting arena called the Coliseum. So for his casual shenanigans when he's out and about going to the cabaret club, which I'll talk about in a second, I dressed him in a full Goro Majima outfit, a snake skin jacket, no shirt, leather pants, an eye patch, and the, the iconic boots. And he looked hot as fuck. And that then looks, that sounds amazing. Oh, it was so good. And oh then for gosh. the Coliseum where you fight, I put him in a skin tight red latex bodysuit with no shoes or socks. And his head was Ono Michio. And if you don't know what that is, it's this giant orange who is the mascot of an area called Ono Michi. And he has a ramen bowl on his head. And it was the most confusing boner I've ever had. But it was great. <laughs> it was awesome. So anyway, so that's how I had my boy running around. And I just loved every minute of it. But the place, no surprise, I spent the most amount of my time here was at the Cabaret Club. And so you're not managing this club, you're just a patron. But what's interesting about this one this time around is it's FMV. So it's full motion video. You see these actual actresses talking to the camera. It is kind of awkward because you can see the ring light reflection in their eyes, but it's like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> it is what it is. Get some diffusion on that. Come yeah, on. Yeah, do something. But these actual, the actresses and the hostesses had to audition for this role. And I know one of them is a major Like a Dragon fan. So that's kind of a fun little community insight there. Good for her. I think her name is Kason. K-S-O-N. Anyway, so in this, you are having these conversations. You're initiating conversations. You're hoping that you're picking the right answers. You can give gifts to these women. And the demo loaded us up with watches and earrings. And I was just like making it rain jewelry on them and hoping they would like, I don't know what. I mean, you don't really bang these women. So I don't. It's just weird now because I'm talking about like actual people. Anywho, <laughs> it, it is. It does get very interesting. Like when they start to warm up to you because suddenly they're like, bam, like right in the camera. And they're like, ooh, it doesn't feel like work when I'm with you. And you're like, oh, really? And it's funny because I'm just at PAX and there's all these people like watching me and like Sega team and I'm just like flirting with these women living my very best life I'm like they're so hot have some earrings I don't know that was really fun but there was only one hostess that was unlocked so I only got to flirt with the one but obviously there will be more and I'm really curious to see like how those scenes play out maybe we'll get some nice titty action that'd be great anywho and then there's the Coliseum and this is a 1v1 or 4v4 arena and what's really great about this is you have some of the most iconic characters on your roster so I had Goro Majima of course there's Gary Buster Holmes, Mr. Masochist, Chicken Man, and then there's Diaper Dude. Diaper Dude is the one who has the diaper fetish. I believe that was him in one of the earlier games. And then I know it all sounds weird and crazy, and it is, but that's But that's game. Yakuza. It is, it is. Right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and then I got to mess around with the agent-style fighting when I was in the Coliseum. So this is a little different. There's agent-style and Yakuza-style. Agent-style, you have gadgets. You have Spider, which is you throw a wire to tie up foes. You have Hornet, which summons AI combat drones. The Serpent, which are these jet shoes that let you like pummel through people, and then Firefly, which is a cigarette-shaped bomb that you can throw on folks. Anywho, that's pretty much all I got to do, and probably my longest, this was my longest demo by far at PAX. I could have spent, obviously, all day here just wandering around talking to people, doing these mini-games, but I got a nice little tease, and we don't have long to wait. It just feels, I'm just so happy our boy's back. I'm happy he has another game coming, and I'm happy that, see, there's the hostesses, look how hot they are, and I got to flirt with her, and she got all up in my grill. She's like, it's not work. Oh my gosh, this is full FMV? Yeah, it is full (laughs) F. yeah. And here's the boutique that I was talking about on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games, you can put them in anything you want and it is the fucking best i'm gonna have so much fun with this game okay so the other sega game i got to play look how fucking hot everyone is okay this is an atlas game this is persona 3 reload <gasps> yeah yeah i'm so happy yes. you're here this week yes yes, yes. okay okay tell okay, me, okay okay tell me how it plays okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> okay so all right so this game is coming out february 2nd 2024 and it- wait no it's coming out february 2nd yeah that's my birthday <gasps> happy birthday <gasps> See, now now you do. Happy birthday, baby girl. It's going to be fucking great. Uh, Yeah, I only got, unfortunately, 15 minutes with it. So I decided I had two areas I could play. I could do the first few levels of Tartarus, or I could do the train segment towards the beginning. It's the train fight in the beginning where you're trying to get to the very beginning of the train. They defeat a big old boss. I think her name's the Priestess, and she has like her legs all spread in 100 titties. It says BJ. That's the one. Phenomenal. I love this game so much. So, yeah, I mean, like my main takeaways were that, you know, the music was banging. It's a little different from the original soundtrack. I'm not entirely sure what the um, plans are for incorporating the original one. The fights were intense and flashy. The animations and cutscenes looked, looked like fantastic and super fluid. And the voice acting was awesome and super engaging. Like all of that was great. 
But I have to say, I am somewhat still kind of on the fence because on one hand, I'm absolutely stoked because this Persona 3 could be like tied for my favorite Persona game between 3 and 5. Then again, 4 is really great too. Don't make me make this decision right now. Um, But it looks like it's a very close one-to-one remake of Persona 3 Vanilla. Obviously, there's no FES version or portable, which means we're not getting the epilogue, the answer, or the female protagonist. I would like to see some new bells and whistles, and I wish I could have explored Tartarus a little bit more and see if it's a little bit more engaging than the original was. So as someone who just played Portable just earlier this year, I really want to play this and I'm going to play it, but I'm not fucking like jazzed about it because it looks like it's going to just be a very, very similar remake with maybe some fancy new cutscenes and a banger soundtrack. And I don't know if that's going to be enough depending on what's coming out that month to prioritize it. Who the fuck am I kidding? I'm going to play this day one. But it's... I love that you just spent all this time trying to convince yourself you're not going to play it and then you're like, obviously I'm going to play it. Obviously I'm going to fucking play it. But Emily, how do you feel about this game? I'm in the same boat where I'm like, I started to play the version of 3 that they released earlier this year. Portable. Yeah, Portable. And then I stopped as soon as this was announced because I was like, okay, I'm going to play this because I love... The first Persona game I really, really dove into was 5. And so I... Same with my my buddy Matt Acevedo. We've been going kind of backwards. He's been going backwards a lot faster than I have. But yeah, I was really, really disheartened to see that Femme Pro tag was not included in this game. Yeah. Because it's like, man, that's one thing I've been really, really wanting from Persona 5. And it's one thing I've been wanting, especially because it was part of Portable. And so I was really, really surprised that they didn't introduce that and the epilogue into into this game. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to play it because, yeah, it's like they've updated it. And it's kind of like Persona 5 now, the one you love, Emily. <laughs> and so, and it's coming out on your birthday, you fool. Uh, and so, um, and so I'm probably going to, I'm 100% going to play it because I stopped playing Portable. But yeah. I think there's there's a part of me that's like I am I'm super excited to play it, but I just wish there was a little something extra. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling about it too. But we will see. I mean, I just wish that a female protagonist because you have the the romance options, but they're not going to be. I just wanna, but like I this know. is what Atlas says: is they have Persona Four Golden or Persona Five, whatever that definitive version is. I bet we'll get it at some point. I think it was Royal. Royal, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll probably get these features later in a future release. I just wish they would just launch with it the first time. Fem Pro Tag for PC. Just that's all I want. <laughs> Make it happen. Okay, the next kind of quirky game that I really want to talk about is something I played at Square Enix, and it's called Little Goody Two Shoes. And this is developed by Astral Shift and published by Square Enix Collective, which is their indie game publishing division. This is a hmm. horror adventure RPG. No release date has been announced. And so it's kind of an interesting premise. So you play as this girl named Elise, who is this entitled, arrogant brat who kind of feels like she is deserving of a life of riches, but she's never had that. She was born more into humble beginnings, and she makes a living by helping her neighbors out with little tasks here and there. And it's this really gorgeous art, and the character drawings are even more gorgeous. I think it's kind of this 90s anime aesthetic going on, and I, of course, like I saw this, and I'm like, going horror adventure RPG looking like this. Sign me up. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Corpse Party. I don't know if y'all remember me talking about that I game. do remember Corpse Party. It's yeah. kind of got this the sprite animation in the gameplay. Yeah, exactly. That's what it reminds me of. And it has a little bit of Resident Evil to it as well. So you start as Elise, you wake up in this bedroom and I was in this medieval castle and the idea is to explore everything around me. So you know, I was checking out maybe the candles or I was checking out the bed or the door and then by doing a few little exploration activities I found a key and then I was able to open a chest and from that I was able to leave the room. So it has that sort of gameplay to it, which is why I talk a 
little bit about it reminded me a little of Resident Evil in that sense and it has some old school mechanics to it which I, I loved it was a nice little personality you have to actually open your menu up and say I want to use this key to open this and I, I think that fits with the way this game looks sometimes that can feel tedious and kind of monotonous but in this case it actually worked and it was cute anyway so you're going through this castle and the whole time Elise is like oh I'm finally in a castle because I'm a princess and I should be treated like a princess meanwhile like all these things are trying to kill her but like whatever girl like you know you take what you can get I guess and then she leaves this little room she wakes up and she realizes she's back to leaving her like mediocre life and she's like man this sucks so she leaves her room and she starts doing chores and in doing so she finds these this pair of red shoes in her yard in her garden and they're these ruby red shoes and they're beautiful and she's so proud of them that she puts them on and she immediately goes to town to start bragging and boasting about them and showing off. And then this is kind of where it gets really quirky. I mean, it's already quirky, but then this cutscene plays out and it's again FMV, but it's like a doll that sort of resembles her and then it's like in this play setting and it's an entire musical piece where there's these like clay dolls and like a like a cloth doll and it tells this whole story of her going to town with this really crazy song. It's hard to explain and I wish there was B-roll of it I could share with you, but there's not. But it came completely out of what left field. I'm like, this is a game that's completely leaning into how weird it is. And I fucking love that. Anyway, so you get back to town, you come out of your trance, and the head of the church is chastising you for being boastful and bragging. And at this point, you can kind of get a glimpse of what the gameplay is going to look like in terms of choice and consequence. So you can either say like, sorry, father, and go to church and repent, or you can pretty much tell him to go fuck off. And I told him to go fuck off, and then my friends got mad at me. And then I just kept walking around and playing, and then I realized that I had been playing for like 30 minutes and that the demo wasn't ending. Turns out I had the whole game at my disposal and I would have kept playing had I not asked. So, wow. yeah, it was really good, though. It was really interesting. And so you eventually find your she finds her way into the woods and there you can uncover her dark secrets and kind of make these choices for her. And if you look into the trailer, you know, there, there's visuals of her being strangled by vines of really creepy ghosts and, and apparitions and spirits and stuff. So it looks spooky. I don't know if it's going to be downright horror like Corpse Party was, but a really interesting little gem of a game that I played. And that's why I love these little indie games. So shout out to Square Enix Collective for this one because I liked it a lot. Okay, one more and then we're done. All right, the last one. <laughs> last one. And then we move on to Starfield. Okay, this one is called Silent Hope. So this is at the Exceed Marvelous booth. Now, Rhea, I think you you might be into this one. So this comes out October 3rd. Mm. And I know right now you're kind of in a cozy mood. Like, you like the cozy stuff. You're kind of like, I'm about to be mama. I'm nesting. I want stuff that's going to make me happy and not stressed. So this game takes place in a land where a king used his powerful magic to steal away people's ability to speak because he's a dick. And then he hurled himself into this place called the Abyss. His daughter was really sad about it and literally cried so much that she solidified herself in a crystal tear. Anyway, so you have these seven heroes that have been summoned to try to help this princess. No one can speak, which is why it's called Silent Hope. And this is coming out October 3rd, by the way. The gameplay loop is like Hades in the sense that you go into these procedurally generated dungeons, except for it's much more chill, much more low key, much more of a relaxed experience. You defeat all of these enemies, you gather items and materials and crafting stuff, and then you go to your air quote homestead here, where you pretty much build up your home base that lets you dive deeper into the dungeons below. And essentially, you got to get to the very bottom where the king is. I played as the caster, who is basically a mage. There's also an adventurer who's a very well-rounded character. He uses a sword. And with each expedition, your crew will just become better equipped to deal with the harder challenges below. 
I didn't get, unfortunately, any chance to dive into the base camp stuff. It was a very tight demo, 15 minutes. But it looks very chill, very relaxing, very wholesome. Just something maybe you could play on the Switch to pass the time. I just love how XC, just all of their cows look the same. Oh, I know. Every single game. Literally. Literally. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I this played- This is interesting. Yeah, I played a few more of their games. I played Lords of the Fallen, but we've already talked about that. Love that. I am sold on that game, even though it was a little difficult, but it was fun. It's interesting to hear you talk about Silent Hope because I'm more intrigued and likely to try it based on your description than the trailer. Yeah. So I'm really glad you saw that. And we're yeah, gonna back. well, shout out to my demoist, Oni, who told me about it. He was like, yo- it's like Hades. I'm like, say no more. I know someone who would love it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Yeah, yeah. I thought she really liked that game. Yeah, but what yeah. I really loved about this PAX was it was just, I, you know, I was only there for one day, but I got to check out some of the games I was most excited about, and it was just nice. It was like, yeah, I feel like I, I aced it in terms of I feel like I know what I like, how to manage my schedule. It was fun. It wasn't overwhelming, and then I got to go home and sleep in my own bed. <laughs> What a novel idea. Yeah, it was great. Okay, so yes, last week we had the opening impressions of Starfield. Y'all know that this is going to be a game that's going to be going on for a very long time and that people are going to play for hundreds, if not thousands, of hours over the course of many years. Now, do I think it's going to have the legs that Skyrim had? No, because I just think fantasy is more popular than space. But that being said, now it's officially out in the wild for everybody that has Xbox Game Pass and anybody that pre-ordered it or if you're playing it on PC, of course. So a lot more people have thoughts on it, including our Bethesda Game Studios expert extraordinaire. Yes! Emily Rose, who is here to talk about Starfield. It's Starfield time. You came dressed yes. for the occasion. You're my hero. It's my God. Uh, <laughs> I got my cool watch on. Yes. yes. Okay, yes. Let's, see, let's yeah. see this. So I haven't seen this up close yet. It has a bunch of different features. You can Bluetooth your music to it. I can see the temperature outside. It is in Celsius. That does not help me in my Fahrenheit ass. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's a really cool. I'm really excited to sync it. I just was like charging it because I got it as soon as I literally I was landing in L.A. for my international trip. And Best Buy was sending me updates on my Consolation <laughs> Edition. And I was like, can I beat it home? No. My neighbor picked it up for me, which was very, very kind. Oh, but nice. oh my gosh, I finally was able to sit down this past weekend and really dive into Starfield. It was very, very strange. I've been very, very nervous about this game. I think just nervous expectations wise, because I feel like there's been so much buildup for this game, certainly from, from a PR side, but also as like a Bethesda fan, you're just like, oh my gosh, it's the first new IP in like over 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And so just like... Like, what is this going to be? We've seen so much. I loved, loved, loved the the showcase we, like the special Starfield Direct we had during this summer's, at the end of the Xbox game showcase. So yeah, finally got to sit down and y'all's review was amazing. You all pretty much shared yeah, my thoughts on this game. 100%, especially with the over encumbrance yeah. and, and <sighs> UI. But there are a few things I really, really wanted to talk about. Things that I've, I've loved so far and things that I kind of don't love yeah, as much so lay it far. on us, baby. So I'm a little Skyrim slut. Uh, <laughs> so, I play, <laughs> so I play, Perfect. I played a bunch That's of That's all we need to know. I, I have, no, I, there was, I think, I forget how many copies, but in our Skyrim video we shot for X-Play, I think I in the Skyrim confessional scene, I think I said I have I own six copies of Skyrim. I believe that is true. I, I own the VR. I own it across all these different platforms. I, I've love, love, love that game. I am a huge, huge fan of the Fallout series. You can 
probably see behind me, I've got my Mr. Handy's, uh, he's a little cut off, on top of my Fallout 4 it, owner's oh, manual. Oh, oh, there we go. There he is. I got big Mr. Handy and little Mr. Handy. I've mostly played Skyrim, Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 4, and Fallout 76, and a little bit of Elder Scrolls Online. A little bit of Oblivion, not too much, but kind of from Fallout 3 and Skyrim on, that's been my big, big Bethesda era. You and also yeah, I, I, audibly screamed... <laughs> in sheer joy in a room full of a thousand people at the Xbox Games Showcase uh, back in June when they talked about the Fallout 76 DLC. I'm sitting next to you. Like The only time I've had that visceral of a reaction from somebody has been Britney when Resident Evil 2 Remake was originally announced way back when. Girl, you and I need to um, sit next to each other the next thing. I know. We will, we know. we will be like, we'll be egging each other on and it'll just be like, everyone will be like, what's going on? The best time. Uh, no, I felt so embarrassed because it's <laughs> one of those shouldn't. moments where it's like, I am in a room with fans, but I'm also in a room with my peers. And boy, howdy, did I just show my big fangirl card, especially because it was DLC for Fox. Seventy six. <laughs> I think that's the thing that everyone was like, wait, I have, is she screaming have, for Fallout? It's not Starfield time yet. They're like, they're like, what are you doing? And they're like, it's not gonna be another one. Gosh, if, if yeah, if Elder Scrolls Six, if they're just just right out of pre-pro for Elder Scrolls Six, Fallout Five is is twenty thirties years away. <laughs> but it is Atlantic City, and that was very fun because the Fallout Three, the the Pit DLC was clearly a nod to Fallout Three. Atlantic City is clearly a nod to Fallout New Vegas. That is my time on Fallout 76. So yeah, I'm a huge, 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 huge Bethesda fan. And so, and in build up for this, on X-Play, I kept kind of a lot in my scripts in that I helped write for the coverage of, of Starfield. I very much, just from the pieces that Bethesda released and just the feeling of the game as a whole, I knew that Starfield was going to be a culmination of everything that Bethesda has done in their years as a game studio leading up to this point, because they, they were really citing features from like Oblivion coming back, like the persuasion system. We got the traditional kind of zoom into the character feature back. We did not have a voiced PC like we did in Fallout 4. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, just like I knew I was going to see some Skyrim in this game. I knew I was going to see a lot of Fallout in this game and their boy howdy Fallout is just all over this ding dong game. But yeah, that is my experience with Bethesda. Perfect. So you're just a little bit of a fan is what you're saying. Just, <laughs> you introduced me to Todd Howard this year and I did a very good job of keeping my professional cool. You held it together incredibly well. You came with your professional producer hat on. But Todd is also an incredibly nice, kind, humble person who is very happy to talk to fans of his work. So I didn't get to pitch him on my idea for Fallout 5, but maybe I will someday. Yes. I'm Texas. Get it, girl. Put it in Texas, I think, Todd. He would, I think he would be very interested to hear it. He's, he's got a great Lone sense Star. of humor. That's all I'll say. It, it writes itself. <laughs> I mean, uh, that sounds awesome. We can get our boy Sam Coe in it. Let's talk about him in a minute. Okay, so you've been playing... Mm -hmm. Have you been focusing on main campaign or side quests or a mix? A little bit of everything, because I think you brought up a really, really good point during your review, which is what we see in a lot of Bethesda games where there are certain features that are locked behind main story missions. And so I knew that like, okay, I want to get a one or two kind of main story missions under my belt just so I can see if there's there's any other features in the game because man, that first one you do after kind of the prologue and the tutorial where you're just kind of popping around the soul system and you're you're introducing spaceship stealth. Excuse me, as a stealth uh -huh. lady. Yes, 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 please. Loved it. So yeah, so I've been balancing a little bit of that, but also like taking my time and exploring these cities and talking to characters 
and and just really immersing myself in this world like just really taking it all in and i think at first i kind of had a little bit of a lukewarm feeling coming into the game uh the beginning is not as kind of bombastic as other Bethesda titles have been, your Fallout 4, talk about mm. literally bombastic <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, and then um, Skyrim, of course, here's just dragons. In Fallout 3, like, Liam Neeson is my dad. Uh, and you're growing up. Uh, so <laughs> it was it was kind of like... So I now knew that you're that listing it all out, yeah, it is a little bit of a ho-hum it's, start. Yeah. Here's a rock, for sure. Here's a rock. And then, oh, here comes pirates. Like, it was very kind of like, I was a little like, all right. Because I also knew that Starfield was going to be the most grounded of these games. Because we have our high fantasy with Elder Scrolls, which is kind of grounded high fantasy. It gets a little wacky, but not terribly. And then Fallout, of course, Interplay started that. And so Bethesda has just taken on what Interplay started, where it's kind of this kooky kind of satirical take on a post-apocalyptic future. So so Starfield, like you you touched on in your review, very, very grounded in realism, very, very grounded in science. With like a little, a few elements here and there for fun, like the chunks. And I'm like, anytime I see the chunks pop up, I'm like, ah, there's, there's a little bit of fallout. There's that kind of fun <laughs> sci-fi humor. So, yeah, I was talking yeah, to my sister about this game because she is also a diehard Skyrim fan, but she's also a huge Witcher fan and she's really big into Final Fantasy. And I told her, I go, well, you being more of a high fantasy girl, I don't know if you're really going to enjoy it. I said to her, I go, think of it. But she loves like what I called big ass RPGs. Like she loves getting <laughs> lost in like the min-maxing of like the gear and the skill trees and all that and the collecting of stuff. And I said to her, I go, think of Starfield more as like Total Recall versus Red Sonja to pull like some deep cut Arnold yes, Schwarzenegger yes, yes. 80s <laughs> movies references, 80s and 90s movies references, because our dad like showed us all of the Schwarzenegger movies when we were kids. And she was like, okay, that makes sense. Total Recall versus Red Sonja. <laughs> and then I was like, both of those excellent movies. You just have to decide which flavor you want to go for. That's all. But I think, and, and on that, uh, there was something I was discovering today, because uh, one of the things also I did too was I have watched the the build-up videos, kind of all the different VODs that, that Bethesda's released building up to the launch of Starfield starting a few years ago, where they really talked about New Atlantis, the Freestar Federation capital, whose name is escaping me, and Neon. And those, because of those being like the three big cities they were really talking about. So as soon as this game, as soon as I was like done with my first story mission, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go explore these cities. And man, oh man, I just fell in love with it because they're all three so different. And I think that is one of the strengths of this game is that in in Skyrim you or in this the Elder Scrolls they they you can have kind of different towns and, and styles like White Run is different compared to to Riften versus Solitude and in, even in Fallout Four you've got Diamond City which is different than your settlements which is different from Good Neighbor they're all different but they're on they're still in the same kind of area and geolocation but this was what's so cool is a space literally anything's possible so neon has this very much this kind of cyberpunky night city vibe which i loved and then you go to i think it's attila i forget the name Aquila. of the Aquila, uh, yeah, Aquila. Aquila. thank you thank yeah. you thank you the free star collective which is very space western which is like firefly my jam oh my gosh that's why i love the man with the cowboy hat uh, and he's <laughs> a dad too um, he's so, a dad that's what got me uh, he's, dad. <laughs> he, it, um, he's just so, got that smooth slow voice with like a little bit of scruff uh, i mean i love i love a sci-fi character Garrett. with a gravelly 
voice. Yes. Oh. I haven't met this man, but Emily, I feel like you and I want to bang the same people. So I feel like if you like him. Well, you got to do the story missions. I know. That's, that's how I, you that's, unlock all the people. And, and like you have to do the story missions because not that far into them. There's like a whole nother branch of abilities that opens up, and that's all I'm gonna say about it. That no, you I, do yeah. not want to sleep on. I'm not trying and to this is not tell you what though. I'm sick of Sarah Morgan's ass. She just makes me feel like I'm two inches tall. Are you shooting well, then that don't, fly? Don't, ha- don't hang out with her. Well, I, I think drop I, her off and go get Sam. I think I need her for my mission, don't I? I think for I, that one story mission you have you to take her with. Uh, yeah. Then just, just go do it, no, get it done, and then be like, hang out. But I will say she comes around there. Once you have like the first like flirt option, she becomes much more tolerable to hang around. Oh, so she just. Uh, I knew right away that I wasn't going to flirt with her. I was like, she's a good friend now. Okay. We're friends. Okay. Well, okay. Friends, you can bang. <laughs> we'll drink wine juice boxes together. Maybe bang a little bit. Yes. Um, Emily, I'm dying to know, as someone who's played <laughs> so much Bethesda, so far from what you've seen, has Starfield done the best at anything? Oh, that's good. I because I haven't I haven't gotten to ship building. Mm. I've seen the option, and I Ooh. don't have that much money yet because I chose kids stuff, so my money's going to my parents. Same. Have y'all Have y'all had the first interaction with your yes. parents yet? Didn't I? I it said no, me, thank I'm you. Gonna, I'm gonna I don't need to give my talking. parents money yet. I'm good. I have my dream house. That's it. <laughs> it was so sweet. I'm gonna tear up because it's really like, man. I'm. This sounds. Oh man. I'm so such a little gaming goober. The writing in this game is is really really good. I haven't laughed at dialogue options or even NPC dialogue like this in a Bethesda game since Fallout Three and New Vegas, which I know New Vegas was a collaboration between Bethesda Obsidian, and Obsidian. Yeah. But man, this game just makes me laugh. And it is chock full of so much heart. I love all the NPCs. I love the diversity in the voices. I love the diversity in the cast. I love you. Can go, I fall in love with so many people. Where I'm like, you're just the doctor here on Mars, but I love you because uh, you're so funny and you just have a cool accent. But no, yeah, doing your parents. My dad looks very ugly because of the way I designed my character. But <laughs> just hilarious. but just like the dialogue, like I was so taken mm-hmm. aback because I was walking through my apartment. Oh my gosh. I'm getting weepy. And there's just this conversation where your mom and your dad are talking about what they want to watch that evening. And it's just like such the most realistic because like my dad just retired too. So it's and I live far away from my folks. So it just was very hitting. It was hitting very, very close to home. But it was just it was just such beautiful, like detailed dialogue that was just so simple that just really, really hit me. And it's like one of the reasons why I love these games. I need to try shipbuilding. I have not gotten there yet because I need to my money. But <laughs> one of the things I ran into with like Fallout 4 and Fallout 76 was your settlement building, which is where like Bethesda really introduced those features for the first time. And so putting together houses in Fallout 4 could get really tricky depending on the terrain you had, which is why I really think I'm hoping from what we've seen and from what I've seen is that shipbuilding is very much like plug and play, like the blocks fit together Mm -hmm. perfectly, where sometimes in Fallout Mm -hmm. 4 and 76, they wouldn't depending on terrain. So I really need to try that out. But I think this game excels at environmental storytelling, which is one of Bethesda Game Studios' biggest things that they do so, so well throughout all of their games. Man, just the first kind of, the the very first space labs you go to where there's just writing, there's notes everywhere, there's there's writing on the walls, there's blood on the floor, you see claw marks over here, and you see this dead body placed over here, and you hear his audio logs in this area. Like, just the environmental storytelling this game is through 
the roof. And so that's what I've been spending a lot of my time on is that I'm, I'm about 15 hours in, but I'm just taking my time throughout every level, investigating everything. Like I'm walking into this, almost like this meeting hall or this, this place where, and, and I'm seeing body bags in a corner and then there's items near there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And it's just so much detail and care in this world and in these spaces that I'm just like, and, and mostly, I've been mostly going through inhabited spaces. I haven't really taken my shit off. I, ha I haven't really jettisoned to another side of the planet where I'm kind of wandering on my own. I did a little bit of that on Mars, not too much because I wanted to find that fracking. Speaking of which, that was something that was so darn cool. There's a part early in the game where you go to Mars and they're fracking and... It's just so neat because you get told that they're fracking from this amount of time to this amount of time. And as you're on the base, you hear the alarm go off and it just happens. So I'll be like, I was talking to the bartender. I didn't get footage of this. I'm so mad. But I was talking to the bartender and all of a sudden the ground starts shaking because the fracking alarm goes off. And I'm like, that's that's good design. That's so cool. <laughs> like it's just immersion. And it was just, I love it. I've really like every time, the more I play this game, the more I've fallen in love with mm. it. And I'm, I'm pretty surprised by that. Cause I was a little hesitant. I was kind of like, all right, mild temperature at first. But now I'm like, man, oh man, there are so many great things about this. Also too, another great thing is that you can change your character's appearance at a lot of different places throughout throughout the galaxy, which I think is really, really great. Because as someone who likes to RP, I like to change my, especially like in Fallout, my character's appearance would change depending on where the story was going and what choices I made. I'd be like, oh, oh she has white hair now or her eyes are glassy or she looks like this now because of these things that happened or no, she's got a really cool bob because she's taken no shit from anyone. Uh, are there cool bobs? I haven't found one yet. No, I'm pretty that sure is okay. that Let's, no cool bobs exist. No, that's yeah, like, get better hair. But that's your what hair. I'm gonna talk about. <laughs> yeah, I was I will say this as someone I think Starfield has the worst character creator system out of all the Bethesda games. Yeah, we were texting about that. I remember I sent my character to you. I'm like, do I look like a Karen? Because I felt like I looked like a Karen. I really don't like I love the perks and I love the different like abilities or the classes you mm. can choose. That's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the face modulators because I think these are this is like the least strong we've seen of them also too because they're really not labeled well you get you're given a menu yeah. and I have footage of this you're given a menu where it's like lips here's eight and you just have three you have like eight <laughs> bars that are just labeled one through eight and you're like I don't know what this means and so for me when I'm really trying to start a game I do want to get I do want to take my time with character creation but I also want to get into it and for Starfield I was spending too much time in character creation that it was like dragging me down because I didn't like the way my character was looking and I was getting frustrated because it's not great UI. It was not labeled really, really well. I think the out of all of them, Skyrim's was good. It was very, very simple, but it was good. And I think Fallout 4 in 76 had very, very similar character creation systems where they kind of had like this map where you could kind of like go over here and go over there, depending on like uh, the up or down or left or right and big lips, little lips near uh, and stuff. But this one, it just felt I did not like it. I was very, very frustrated by it. The menu UI flow overall is just bad. And like, I think that's been a really universal thing. A lot of critique or people who are critically looking at the game are all like kind of scratching our heads going, How? of all of the things that you spend time on in the development process, in a game that so heavily relies on inventory management and gameplay Oof. systems like a big RPG does, 
How did this get so... I don't want to use the word overlooked because clearly it wasn't overlooked. Someone put a lot of time into this, but it's like, how did this this get decided as like, this is a good workflow when there's been so many examples of good UX and UI design in RPGs? It's just... And you have to be in the menus constantly and they're just not good to be in. Yes. I'm I'm utterly shocked that we don't have local maps for cities. <laughs> I, like that. Uh, I, I, I have gotten myself lost and and granted I know I will memorize these ding dong places eventually. Uh, because mm. that's what once you play enough, you do. But man, I keep getting lost in New Atlantis because and I appreciate the transit system. There was a hilarious clip where I got on the tr- they did the transit animation and Vasco was just like standing on the on the, on the steps just watching the train yep, go. All the time. And I was like, bye. <laughs> oh yeah, your companion <laughs> never makes it into the elevator, never makes it no, into the train, through he, the airlock. So They're was always not on with the me, outside. Like, yeah, he wasn't with me for a whole chunk of like the kind of the prologue or the tutorial mission. And all of a sudden when a space pirate was talking to me, Vasco had lines and I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> You're just suddenly here. But um, I will say, speaking of robots, Bethesda's always done this. Fallout 4 has really, really great robots too. The USS Constitution is still one of my favorite levels in that game where you help a bunch of robots on a big old revolutionary warship. But I gotta say my shout out to Gnome, N-O-A-M. Yes, He's the robot on Mars and he's the best. He's the best ding dong robot in this game. He's Uh, very depressed and nihilistic and has very bad jokes and I love him. I want there to, maybe there will be, like I want there to be like some kind of bigger arc with him later on where, you know, I'm not gonna say where I want it to go because I feel like it's spoilery. So we'll leave that. But I want him to come back and I want there to be a quest line with him more than just you finding him and talking to him. Yes, because I was like, I could just sit here and talk to you all day, my friend. I love you. Um, and that was one thing I was bummed because uh, there was a concept art. There was a concept art release. And thank shout out to Paris on XCast for asking them this. I think Todd Howard this question. There was a concept art that showed a robot with a cowboy hat, and you can put hats on Mr. Handy in Fallout Four. And so I was really hoping you could put hats on robots <laughs> in this game, and you can't. Aww. But I'm sure there'll be a mod for it. I'm sure there'll be a mod. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just, I'm loving this game. My biggest thing was just, yeah, the UI and and the character creation. Just I think that's part of the reason why I was coming in so tepid because it was not a bombastic intro. I just spent all this time in character creation with a character I wasn't really happy with. And so thankfully you can go around and you can change. It's not a ton of credits. You can pay. like 500 credits, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not too bad. You can change. And it's not just their hair, which, uh, hello, Fallout 4 hairstyles. I see you're in this game and you haven't changed much. There were some cool hair dye options, though. I have the cool, like, silvery one. Are the but, options um, The red same. hair has dark roots. And I'm like, why? I don't want to manage my roots in a video game. Just let me not have roots. Let me just. Please. Or if I want that, let me pick that. But that was it. Like, the color that I always pick my red. I was like, why? Why are you doing this to me, Bethesda? No, yeah, it's realistic. Even, even kind of, there's, like, there's the We're two. We're in there's space like, for crying out loud. It's not that realistic. <laughs> my roots are covered. <laughs> so, wait, question. Are the, are the options the same as the character creator screen, or do you have new options? I have not discovered okay. that yet, because that was the thing in Fallout 4, is that if, depending on what magazines, because there are, there are magazines and booklets in this game that are, like, give you bonuses. So, that's, like, once again, hey, look, it's Fallout. I mean, like, if you pick up amp which is one of these kind of medical boosters it's reskinned jet 
So yeah. many of the items you pick up in this game are I'm like, oh, that is a character. That is a model. It's from Fallout in space. Yeah. Whee! Uh, and so I don't know, because again, in those games you could collect magazines to change, to like unlock new hairstyles. I hope you can. This might be the first time, because yeah, like now that Bethesda games are no longer on PlayStation, I don't have an Xbox console, so I'm playing on my PC. This might be the first time I download cosmetic mods for a game. Because I haven't, yeah. So I'm like, all right, okay, maybe I'll get some, maybe I'll look really, really fancy compared to everyone else in this game. But yeah, I think I was a little kind of disheartened just by the character creation uh, options. That being said, I love the perks. I have my little empath perk because Emily is a people pleaser. So if my character, my character's got to be a people pleaser, which means I get bonuses if I make my companions happy. But see, then I was afraid. So I got anxiety that I would piss them off. And so I couldn't go through it. It was too much yeah, social the, commitment. The punishment on the perks. I can't, I can't with those. The I hate when they're like, here's a cool bonus, but here's the bad thing that comes along with it. And I'm like, Wait, can't I just have the nice thing? <laughs> but the game does a really good job of if you make that choice where you, you select a perk and you're like, I'm not really feeling it, you can go and you can have that perk removed. Like you can really tell your parents, it's very depressing. You can tell your parents, I don't want to send money to you anymore and it cancels off the kid stuff perk. You can go to a doctor and you can say like, I'm an empath and I'm very depressed. <laughs> and they're like, we can fix that for you. Which I was like, oh, oh, I didn't. <laughs> Is it that I just, easy? I thought I was like, can we yes. do that for you? Can we do that? I wish. I wish. <laughs> I love that. I did see the option to tell my Adorian fan to go kick rocks, and I couldn't do it. That's Aww. the one I miss. If you haven't played Starfield yet, I would say pick the Adorian fan. He grew on me. Like, I was worried. That's my one regret. I was worried that he was going to be really creepy, but then he makes it very clear that there's no romantic interest at all. And I'm like, okay, you're just a little silly, and I like you. And now I treat him like Speaking my little space pet. Speaking of romance options, I think it's time we talk about our boy Sam. Yes, let's talk about Sam Coe. So how bangable is he? One to ten. I would put him at more like an eight simply because he is very focused on his goals. Mm -hmm. And he may not want to spend time with the Dalliance. Mm. You know what? That's, That's a great point. I do feel like there's been some things that I've said that I didn't think were that controversial that it was like, Sam Coe disliked that. And I was like, wait, yeah. why? What happened, Sam? Hmm. And so now then I have to go like have convo with him and remind him that he likes me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Make jokes. He likes jokes. Okay. Okay. okay so that's if you want to get on his good side. You want to get on his good side. He's got a grizzled voice and a cowboy hat and he's a dad. I was like, oh. big dad energy. That's all my so boxes. So he's like John Marston in space enough. is what you're saying. No, no, Who? John Marston. No, he's no, not not as not as asshole. Oh, okay. He's like a good guy then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's okay. he's definitely more. He's got like softer energy than that. Okay. Well, he's he's definitely like a quiet mercenary, right? He's definitely mm-hmm. very powerful, and he's all of his perks are weapons related. Um, yeah, for they the are. most part, or like combat related, which is great. And you know, the whole like Western vibe of Aquila is really cool. He doesn't. He doesn't come off as like brusque at all. He's not like he doesn't have like that hard edge. He's definitely more of a softy. And it, yeah. there's definitely a story to be discovered about his daughter's mom and like what happened there. Oh, there's an opportunity for you to explore that in an early conversation, and it's very much like we're not talking about that right now. Okay. 
And I'm like, hmm, uh, it's going to come up eventually, though. You can't avoid me forever, Sam. So make jokes <laughs> and avoid baby mama talk is what you're saying. At least yeah. in the beginning. Listen, I'm very early in my flirtations with him. I, I think Same. I think our romance has a ways to go. Well, it's so funny because like one of the things you can talk to your mom about with the kid <sighs> stuff perk is you can literally tell her like if you have a romance option or not, because she's kind of like your father wants grandkids. How are you doing? Yeah. And I'm oh, like, typical parents and so- always be asking. It's really oh. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, and you can tell her you do, but I was like, I gotta be honest, like no one right now, but part of me wanted to be like, no, yes, I've I've known who I'm going to romance in this game from the very first game. <laughs> I haven't met a mom, so it's gonna sound really weird, yeah. but I'm a creepy. He's, he's locked I'm behind a, a story mission. I'm gonna go find him now, but but <laughs> he already has a what. kid, so <laughs> Exactly. I'm a I'm a hardworking space woman. I and he's he's got that. Yeah. I can you're be like, a sorry mom, you don't figure. get to hold a baby but you get to hang out with a cool kid <laughs> I love her because I think I found her room first before I found her in like little constellation underground and I was like oh there's a child's room here there must be a child coming <laughs> oh well I'm yes. excited to meet him yes now. indeed his daughter's really cool oh, okay. she is she's really smart and fun I like okay. her a lot I compliment I was like I was like oh it's very nice to meet you you seem really cool and it's like Samco like that I'm like yes, dad point <laughs> yes. so Emily I had so I want to know and maybe you don't have an answer for this so her character asks you repeatedly for a specific kind of item which I'll leave unsaid for spoiler reasons she's like hey do you have this thing for me and it hasn't happened to me yet so okay Let's just call it a rock. Hey, okay. do you have a new rock for me? <laughs> and turns out, have some rocks in my inventory. Air quotes here. Rocks in my inventory. And I was like, oh, you're cool. I'm trying to bang your dad. I would love to give you this rock. <laughs> so, so, As you do. As one would. Uh, can I get it? And like when you talk to her, there's no like item transfer option with the daughter like there is with your companions. And so I've just been dropping the rocks <laughs> on the ground in front of her. And I'm like, there's got to be a way for me to actually like give it to her right <laughs> i'm just envisioning andrea walking up to this kid and just like dropping a frost on her feet and be like do you want to bang like, me hey, this thing that you asked for i found it while i was out adventuring here's the hey, thing Sam, and then, look at your daughter's and true feet bethesda jank it just kind of like falls to the ground very unceremoniously and i'm like well there, Sam the it's, it's just right there on the ground of, in front of you that reminds oh me of, of Red Dead Redemption 2, because in that game, certain characters would be like, hey, Arthur Morgan, can you go find me a book? I would love it. And you're like, I love everyone here. So, of course, I would go get you gifts. And I think there was there's one character who, like, asked for a harmonica. And I was there's, like, one kind of outhouse where you can find a harmonica, but it's not the harmonica the game wants you to find. So I wonder if there's like certain objects that the game has determined that these are for this character. If not, there's similar to Fallout 4, if you hold down A when picking up an item just in the world, instead of putting it in inventory, you can move it around. So you can use hold down A and you can position all the rocks in her room if you want. <laughs> Somebody needs to pull the rocks. Like a balanced tower. Well, because she does... Put them all on her She bed. does say to you the kind of rocks that she enjoys. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I think I've seen some of those rocks out and about. It's starting to sound I, like I, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm like, Andrew, what are you? Are you a drug dealer for this little girl? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I've got these blue rocks for you, kid. You excited? Oh my Let's God. go. 
Space rocks. Yeah. But I wonder, I wonder too, if it's one of those things that might become an option once you have unlocked a relationship with Sam. Coe. Maybe. If yeah. then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. then you can, cause like, I'm curious because you could adopt children in Skyrim. And like I said, Starfield is kind of this. But that this adoption pack built. was added much later on. Yes. Like, like years, yeah. literally years later. Yes. Hmm. So I will say as somebody who has seen some end game and then end <gasps> end game stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Well, because Danny All- just tweeted that he's at like level fifty he's now, at level sixty wow. or something. Yeah, there's some interesting things that can happen with all of these relationships, and they're wildly different depending on like how your playthrough goes. Hmm. And it is very fun to see where the seeds you plant now will end up later. Who did Danny romance? He did not romance anyone. What? Good choice. Smart. <laughs> but there were still some repercussions for oh. things. That happened. Hmm. It is very interesting. I'm excited. Very, very no, interesting I think, stuff. I think you touched on this at the beginning, Andrea. Like, there are certain games where I will do an annual replay of them because they are just so much like comfort food and I just love them and I love re exploring them. Like, Bioshock is one of them. I replayed Bioshock for like the last like six years nonstop. Every year. And and Skyrim is one of Amazing. them too. Yeah. And even even in Skyrim, there's still things that you think you know the whole entire game and there's things you're just discovering with every new playthrough. And I think Starfield is definitely one of those games where it's just going to be like, not just because of the procedural generation, but just the way Bethesda Game Studios builds these games where it's like these little conversations with people. Oh yeah, shout out to the big tree in New Atlantis. As soon as someone was like, have you seen the big tree that's here in this town? It might be sick. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, the scientist big, oh, there. He said a big tree sick. Here I go, Temple mm-hmm. of Kiraneth. Skyrim, Whiterun, Big Tree there. Is that the, the like, horny it's tree, just, right? Oh, there's a different tree. Oh. I had a different tree there's thing. There's a horny the tree? Yeah, the tree wants to bang, and so it's sending out all these vibrations to try to get in touch <gasps> with another tree. What? Yeah. Not the and same tree. And then there's, tree. like, this political discourse between scientists yeah. that you have to try to yeah. navigate in order to figure yeah. out what's going I on with the tree. I didn't know the tree was banging. Oh, yeah. No, it wants to fuck. Or maybe that oh, yeah. is the tree, and, like, you wants to bang? I don't know. Everything's That's weird. horny, and I love it. Let's Space bang, is great. Okay? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Space space is great. But yeah, thank you for inviting me on. And like I love it, like you said, like I I so far and I, I wanna say too, like where I am right now, I am I am so, so just like loving and adoring this game. And I think if you're a big fan of Bethesda games, I think this one is a very, very easy one to fall in love with as well because you're playing in a sandbox that is very, very familiar to you. But I will say like like this is how I'm feeling right now. Who knows how I'll feel 35 plus hours into the game, 60 plus hours in the game. But like, yeah, Rihanna, from what you said with Danny and what I'm seeing from so many people online is like, people are like, new game plus, new game plus, Mm -hmm. new game plus, which I feel like I really haven't heard about for a lot of games as of late where it's like, oh, hey, here's a new game plus option that is fun. But the fact that so many folks are pushing like, no, get to new game plus is is been very, very surprising to me. Try not to get spoiled on it as much as you can. Yeah. That, I think that's going to be the tough part because so many people are doing really extensive guide work on Starfield yeah. because it's the most popular thing right now. But I think about a game, you know, they came out not too long ago, Horizon Forbidden West, and how that game, once you get to the end of the campaign, it unlocks a really amazing gameplay mechanic that I'm like, why did you bury this at the back of the game 
when there's so much exploration, it's like there's nothing in the game that tells you, hey, please keep going down the main path. You can come back to this cool thing, and you should. And it's going to be cooler once you have this thing that we've locked behind, like this end game campaign stuff. And knowing that's in my mind, that's why I'm like trying to go through the main campaign stuff as quickly as I can. Not like, and when I say that, I don't mean like I'm rushing it. I'm still doing side quests here and there and taking my time and, you know, bypassing through a random star system to check out what's there, of course. But I don't hit everything that I could hit on planets because I'm like, I know that there's more and I can come back and it'll be better and easier once I have more abilities and more points and more money, mostly. (laughs) (laughs) That feels like a really different approach with this game than what we've seen in previous Bethesda games. And that's just a different way of playing, you know? And I think a lot of JRPGs are really more built that way. Like, I still think of, like, Dragon Quest and people being like, it doesn't get good until you're, like, 20 hours in, but then it's amazing. And when you get to hour 200, you're going to, like, your mind's going to explode. And I'm like, but, like, who has just the 20 hours to the go on a hope and a prayer that it's going to click, right? But, like, a lot of really big RPGs really slow roll you into it because they want you to spend all this time. And I think in today's fast paced world where there's more options than ever before and there's more games coming out so quickly, it's really tough for consumers to go, is that the kind of experience that I want? And it also depends on where you're at in your life. And I think that's something that you need to consider as a player. I think it helps that it's an Xbox Game Pass and you can absolutely try it for, you know, what what's the minimum price now? $11.99 a month is like the base, I think. And that's great. That's a huge win for Bethesda and for Xbox and for players to be like, hey, maybe I just want to give it a go. And if those first 15 hours, I'm just not willing to go beyond that, then, you know, I only spent a little bit of money on it. 100%. And I do want to touch on one thing real quick because I do have footage of it. And I really need to get on my little soapbox do here. It. I am a huge fan of lockpicking mechanics and lockpicking puzzles in games. I am constantly fascinated by hacking and lockpicking things. Shout out to the Bioshock pipe game that gives me endless anxiety. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, yes. I put, I put a lot of points a lot into lockpicking. I love lockpicking too. <laughs> and so the digilock system in this game is so good and rewarding. It is this, it takes a lot of thought depending on just the difficulty of the locks. But it's all about you have these kind of different, it's these different keys that you have to line up in these kind of respective holes and you have to, to coordinate them because certain ones can fit. And I'm explaining this in a horrible, <laughs> yeah, like horrible the way. Different levels. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, there's interlocking locks and keys. And so certain keys can fit into other holes. Keep talking about holes, so baby. Re- Let's go. Yeah. And so, I mean, think, of um, it, to- think of it as like a layered puzzle where you have puzzle yes. pieces that are transparent and they lay on top of each other. And each layer of the puzzle has a different piece that fits into the key. But when you get to the more difficult keys, not every puzzle piece will go into the key. It's there just to throw you off. And then you have to figure out, is this piece of the puzzle actually a usable piece? Or is this just a throwaway piece that's here to confuse me? What I love, I'm with you that the DigiPick system is so great because... So many lockpicking systems and games are based off of movement mechanics where you have to hold the thumbstick or your mouse or whatever in exactly the right place. You have to feel like a vibration or whatever. And then you have to like 
line it up. This is not that. This is a brain puzzle. Yeah. And I love that because it allows you to take as much time as you need. And it's not to do with dexterity. It's all about can you see the way the puzzle pieces line up? And it gives you the ability to undo. You have to spend more keys. But if you're like, oh, crap, I used the wrong puzzle piece, you can undo and you're not completely starting the puzzle over. I'm with you. This is one of the best lockpicking minigames I've played. It's just incredibly rewarding. Like even like I save scum on Skyrim so many times because like I've played this game to oblivion. <laughs> and so uh, I, see what I, you know, did like, I know that lockpicking system like the back of my hand so I can start doing master locks. Once I'm like just going through Dragon's Reach, like I'm very much like, okay, yeah. But this one just, there is a whole new level of rewarding because you're like, I feel like a smart person. It gives you a rush. Yay, and I'm rewarded. When that last, when you get on that most innermost ring and you find that you have the lock that fits, you're like, fuck yeah. And I remember at first I was confused as hell. I was like, how does this system work? And then I upgraded it. I think I'm level three into lock picking. And it's so handy at that point because then it shows you the inner ring will be blue if the current lock can fit into that slot. So that is super duper helpful. And I just figured that out like oh, an hour or so like after my Yeah, the game never through. tells you no. how to pick locks. No. So you just got to figure it no, out. I was so like, watch I a tutorial if you, don't wanna, if you don't want to figure it out. Because like the first lock I came across, I think John was watching me play. And I was like, this is so stupid. The game doesn't even tell you what to do. I fucking hate this. And I got really frustrated. And then, of course, I figured it out like two minutes later. And I was like, all right, well, I feel I feel dumb now for yelling at the game. But. Don't worry. That was me with the persuasion system. The first time I had yeah. to persuade someone, I was I bonked that thing really, really. I trashed that conversation because <laughs> uh, I was like, well, <laughs> uh, colors and plus numbers. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, like, I was just like, all right, cool. Mm, failed that. John can't go back and save. Didn't save that. So I can't redo that. Yeah. I'm scave, save scum till I Absolutely. die. Just because that's how I like Absolutely. to play. <laughs> that's how I'm always I'm right play. there with you. As you should. Guess. I mean, there's so much, there will be so much more to discover. And I'm excited to kind of watch how it progresses. It's. It's tough because this is a game that I absolutely just want to sink time into. And I remember some of my fond memories with Skyrim were particularly over holiday breaks where I just stayed up all night and played. I have still vivid memories of playing both Mass Effect and Skyrim all night. Like the when Black Friday was still a thing that you got up and got into your car and went to at 4 a.m. Uh, you know, and now Black Friday is Black Friday week. It's like yep. whole, like two weeks. It's a month <laughs> yep. long, it feels like. But I think I'm in such a different place in my life. It makes me like a little bit sad that I'm not going to get to have those like epic long gameplay sessions. But I truly do hope that I get to spend a lot of time exploring in this world. And I hope people who listened to the conversation last week don't take some of our criticisms of the game to be like, this game is trash. It absolutely is not. I think we just look at a game studio like Bethesda Game Studios, who's been making RPGs for so long and say, hey, we just expect the bar to be a little bit higher than before. And there's some things that have fallen short and that's disappointing. Hopefully they'll, you know, take some of the feedback from their community and say, maybe we should divert some resources to working on these things and talking about how we can make it better because you don't work on a game for as long as they've worked on Starfield and have some of the systems and things that are, are in there. To me, some of it's a little bit unacceptable. The hair just wouldn't come No, 100%. Right. Yeah. I think you touched on this last week too, Rihanna. Like combat, 
is okay. It's fine. I think I think that's where Fallout really excels is the VAT system. The VATs become VATs makes it combat really, really fun, very, very rewarding, especially when you have the bloody mess perk and you just blast people's heads off and they become a bloody pulp in your screen in slow motion. Ooh. Uh so yeah, I think I'm I'm in the same boat with you, Andrea. I'm very, very curious to see, yeah, just the longevity of this game and what updates come out if there is DLC, if there are additions, if there are changes. What are they? And mods are already starting to come out. I know um, in response to a tweet that I sent out today about uh, not having the best this time, being forced to spec into weightlifting because I want to carry things. Patrick Klepek actually put out a request to see if we can use the mods on PC on the console version yeah. <laughs> to remove encumbrance because it's the first thing I'm going to oh, do. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get that mod now. Yeah. <laughs> Live your best life. Let us know what it's like. It's like, but like, yeah. Yeah. I was actually surprised how many people in my Twitter feed when we talked about encumbrance were like, I like encumbrance. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I think I, I will say I straddle both because I think encumbrance is an interesting feature. If you're really going for that lifestyle kind of life, realistic RPG system. I talked about this a little bit before we were recording in the Skyrim 10th anniversary edition. They added the creation club, a lot of creation club mods. And one of them was like kind of the survival pack where if you choose the survival mode in Skyrim, you have to eat, you have to drink, you have to rest in order to survive. And one of those additions was these adventure packs, that, like these backpacks, that massively increase your carrying capacity. I didn't turn on survival mode. I just took those backpacks and ran so I could put a <laughs> bunch of dragon bones in them and not feel bad. Um, but yeah, there's. I think, I think because I like encumbrance because it can sometimes be a puzzle of like, oh man, yeah, I'm carrying too much of this. But when you create a game that is so focused on resource management and resource collection and resource utilization, especially in building outposts and in handling research and expanding and doing all these things in the game, it almost just becomes a tough kind of war of game design when it becomes much more of a hassle of the player and it's not as fun as it is like, like I love my resource, like I fall for like, oh yeah, I, love, I collected, I hoarded stuff all the time. But and I think I think that one did a pretty d good job of, of the resource kind of accumulation management distribution, breakdown, building your settlements and also kind of your carrying capacity on your person. But yeah, I, mm -hmm. I think Rihanna, you touched on this on your review. I, I was a little bummed that I had to spend my one of my first kind of few skill points on increasing my carrying yeah, capacity, yeah. increasing my ding dong oxygen. When I want to increase, like, uh, I want to have discounts in stores. I want to build up mm -hmm. persuasion. I have nothing in guns right Same. now because all my other all my other skills are going towards other things that I think are needed in order for me to enjoy the game further as Emily, not necessarily as my character. Yep, not fun when you feel forced to make those choices. But I'm still having a great time. And I think, yeah, like you said, it's okay to be critical about games because they're art, and we can, especially like like you said, from a studio that has been around for so long that has delivered so many amazing gameplay experiences that it's okay to have these discussions and to really just delve into them and be like, huh, this is a choice. Interesting. Maybe I agree with it. Maybe I don't. But I still want to have fun and enjoy this game. Okay, so yeah. to finalize our conversation for today, as somebody who has also been playing Baldur's Gate 3, there's going to be a war of the RPGs in a few months during the oh, goatee yeah. conversations. Oh, Lord. Do you think Starfield has what it takes to overcome what is shaping up to be one of the best RPGs ever made in Baldur's Gate? No. And I think it's just because Britt and I were texting about this. There was a tweet that went out where it's like, we are living in a post-Baldur's Gate 3 world where it's it's like the things that I'm seeing Baldur's Gate 3 do, I want to see in future Dragon Age and Mass Effect games. Like, I want to see this kind of creative 
control. I think what Bethesda has done with Starfield is that they have really expanded like, here's space travel, here's building your own spaceship, you can go board a spaceship. They've given you a bunch of amazing, amazing like, here's your shovel, here's your pail, here's your rake in your sandbox. And they're saying, go, go, go play. And I think that's, I think Bethesda has created a lot of really cool tools. But I think Baldur's Gate 3 has really just excelled in the RPG as a whole, being a rewarding, creative, bespoke experience that like, I've blown away by Baldur's Gate 3. And so I think, I, I mean, gosh darn it, we have a, I was very surprised that there would be a game to throw Tears of the Kingdom off of its pedestal. Yeah, it did. And so, I, I think we all are. I think at the beginning of the year, I, in particular, was like, nobody's throwing Tears of the Kingdom off of its goatee throne. Nobody can. Like, it's impossible to dethrone Nintendo. And then I'm, now I'm like, okay, okay, that's not just one, it's multiples. And the, and the year's not even done yet. Yeah. Still got Mario. <laughs> exactly. How dare there be two, there's so, gosh darn it, (laughs) all of you amazing game devs and studios, how dare you make such fantastic gameplay experiences for all of us to play? I mean, I mean, it's just, it's such a fantastic plethora of gameplay, but it's also like, ah, it's so tough, how do I have to pick Uh one? I'll quote my mother, and my mom's like, I have my favorite daughter and I have my favorite son, I do not have a favorite (laughs) child, but we all know who her favorite (laughs) child is to be. So, but no, I, I, I think it's so hard because I love 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 Bethesda games but I think personally I have just been so blown away by by Baldur Gates 3 just kind of really really just further advancement of the RPG genre where Bethesda seems to just be like this is the best of Bethesda but Baldur's Gate 3 is the best of our Oh, games. yeah. Speaking of Baldur's Gate 3, real quick, it is now on PlayStation 5, ladies and gentlemen. So yes. if you want to play it on console, as the good Lord intended, <laughs> eat rocks, PC gamers. I'm just kidding. It's now out there, and it has a 97 on Metacritic so far for PlayStation 5. I'm just putting that out there. Very, very I'm ready. I have nice. it on my Steam Deck, ready to go, but I haven't started yet because I was playing Immortals yeah. when Baldur's Gate came out earlier because we had this great interview that we did and then Starfield came out. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like, unfortunately the and releases, I still haven't played Final Fantasy. Girl, and the releases are still coming the rest of the year. It's, it's, it's I know, not Mortal stopping. Kombat's like Cat in a week. Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. 2. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it, it's absolutely fucking lo- Alan Wake. It's ridiculous. It's just Assassin's Creed <laughs> Throw me off a bridge. Mario, Lords of the <sighs> Fallen. Yeah, it's never ending. I completely agree with everything you just said. Baldur's Gate 3 as my game of the year. There's just no way anything I think can touch it. It's just that good. And it makes me so happy. <laughs> so do I just stop playing Starfield and, and just play Baldur's Gate? I think you yeah. can I can't though. Because I think, I think Skyrim... I, I have to sleep <laughs> eventually. To me, Starfield is like a wine game. It's like, oh, I'm going to take a little sip. I'm going to just mm, a little bit... Of, oh, I can go on a planet. Okay, I'll come back to you. I think keeping up story-wise will be a little bit tougher, but for me, I'm like, Starfield is giving me my long haul. For yeah. Baldur's Gate, I'm like, okay, there's so much going on with the narrative and my character and these other characters. I want to kind of keep up that a little bit quicker. I saw it today real quick. Someone tweeted a really cool thing you can do in that game. So there's a weapon that it magnifies its, its damage depending on how much gold the enemy is carrying. So this brilliant player 
snuck up behind the enemy before the boss fight initiated and deposited 15,000 gold into their pockets. And then when the fight initiated, they used their weapon to defeat the boss and one hit them because he had so much gold on him. And it's like, that's the sort of shit that is just so fucking... You see, like, basically, like, they just created all these brilliant tools and like, go do what you want to do and you'll be amazed at what you can make you work. Can, you can interact with everything. I was in a goblin camp. I saw these goblins running back and drinking. And so I was like, what are they drinking from? It was from a, a little vat of juice. And so I went to the vat of juice and I went to stealth mode. I put poison in it from a character who gave me poison earlier. And then all of a sudden there was a cut scene and they were like, you got to drink this poison. I was like, I don't want to. And I'm a bard. So I did a sweet cup flip. And so I didn't have to drink the poison. And then I killed all the goblins of the camp by not killing anyone and just using my wits and my mind. And I told my friends that. And they're like, we didn't even know you could do that in this game because our friend just went off and did this thing real fast. It's just like, it's it's yeah. wild how much you can, that's why uh, I said like, it, it just blows it out of the water. Yeah. Like all the things, we all have the shared experience of playing Baldur's Gate 3, but each of our experiences oh, yeah. is so custom and bespoke based on who we are and based on the options that you have in this game. It's just like, it's so tough. Cause I'm like, mm. and it's like that image of like, what is it? Sabrina, the teenage witch where she's eating all the pancakes. And I'm like, mm, there's too many good RPGs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. RPGs. What a great time to be a gamer. There it is. Just, just wonderful. Just wonderful. I mean, <laughs> and eventually I'll have time for all the shooters I want to play because we barely, oh. I don't even think we talked about the fucking Destiny showcase nope. that was like two oh, hours fucking long, nope. which we're definitely not talking about right now at the end of the show. But I mean, like, I got shit to do in Destiny. Got to go back to that. <laughs> and Call of Duty's coming out. Ugh. Wait, X Defiant is coming out too. Girl, I can't even, mm-hmm. like, let's pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> let's pretend. Because I want to play that too, and I can't do it all. <gasps> oh, Anywho, yeah. if only it was my full-time job to just play video games. People on the internet might think that that's, so that's our job. To do. <laughs> and we just oh, get paid so much money to Aww. pay all of our bills by playing video games. Yeah. yeah. When we don't have any other life responsibilities no. uh-uh. at all. I mean, being no. a mother is not an excuse. That's all I'm going to say. Of course not. Mm-hmm. No. Of course not. Not an excuse out there. I definitely don't get paid 40 hours a week to do something completely different either. <laughs> yeah. All my time is spent playing games. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a job at all. Are we salty about a shitty one-star review that somebody left? Yes. Are we talking about it? No. We're not giving that asshole <sighs> oxygen. Okay. That's going to be it for this week's episode. Emily, it was so wonderful to have you back on the show. So Yay, good to see thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's always a joy. I love y'all so much. And so thank you for letting me come on and just be a little Bethesda lady and rant. <laughs> no, you didn't rant. No. You were nerding out in the best way. And that's why we wanted you to come on the show and talk to us about it. And we should absolutely do a check-in. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, we need to see how the community is going to unfold, how things are going to be discovered and... I would love to have you back later on and we can talk about Baldur's Gate and, and <laughs> Starfield. That'll be wonderful. Yeah. And none of the other RPGs that came out this year. Just those two. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody. We will be back next week with a very special episode because I believe when Brittany Brumbacher will be here in person. I'm going to be sniffing your in air. Los Smelling it's going to be great. Touching your butt with your consent. It's going to be fantastic. And I'm going to be talking about a video game, which I can't tell you because it's confidential, but it's a big game that's coming out this fall. Pick one, anyone. Yes. Throw a dart <laughs> and see which one you think it is and, and guess. And guess to get a price. <laughs> um, it's going to be it's going to be a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm. 
Also, I'm giving away stuff. If you guys missed the Xbox Summer Collection video, I'll give you one last chance until Monday, September 11th to go and leave a comment on which color you like, and then I'm going to pick a winner. Thank you again to Xbox for sending all of those. And I'm also giving away something else on my Twitter page, which I'm going to leave unspoken. <laughs> You'll have to go find out. Go to my Twitter page and look for it. Is it your fart in a jar? No, but I've heard that there's a market for there that. Is. Just saying. I'll contemplate. All right, bye, everybody. Bye.